you get experience having tenants, screening tenants, and then that'll give you just a really easy way to see if you'd like real estate investing or give you a feel for if you maybe want to purchase that first investment. So I'd say try house hacking if you're unsure and just do it. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's us today? Cameron Lamb. How you doing, Cameron? Good. How are you, Joe? Oh, I am doing well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Cameron. He's a part-time real estate investor. He started house hacking in 2017. Currently owns slash co-owns, and we'll talk about that distinction, 12 properties based in Gilbert, Arizona. With that being said, Cameron, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure. Uh, moved out here to Gilbert, Arizona about five years ago. Let's see. Was looking for a place to live. Found something on Facebook Marketplace. Joined a roommate then, now a great friend. I was paying $325 a, a month, so really expensive actually a great price. Started working at Intel and just for those two years, saved a ton of money. 
kind of got the idea from him. I said, well, he's renting out all his rooms and we're paying his mortgage for him. It wasn't very expensive, but why don't I do the same thing? So I was driving around. There's a lot of open land, a lot of new construction down here. Saw a home that I liked, brand new build. I'm from California originally. And they told me, hey, this home is $260,000, four bed, three bath. I'm like, man, back in California. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's a million, right? Yep. Get a shed there, maybe. Yeah, right. So pulled the trigger on that one and then essentially started doing what my friend was doing, house hacking. Okay. So that's how you got going. And that was 2017. You've been busy since then. 12 properties. I introduced you in your bio as a part-time real estate investor. What do you do full-time? I'm a finance business analyst. So... Originally, I was working at Intel Corporation, then I moved to McKesson, just in Scottsdale. Work from home most of the time, which is nice. They just moved their headquarters to Las Colinas. They did. You don't have to move there? I don't. Maybe I'll go down there occasionally, but no, I don't. So full-time business analyst, how does that help you with what you're doing in real estate? That's a good question. I run numbers a lot for business. It's sort of like a business finance job. So running the budgets, what, what's the, the variance to the month end going to be? Um, that kind of parlays perfectly into real estate investing when you analyze a deal. Now, to be honest, when I first started doing real estate investing, my rationale was really just so I could pay less money, just have people pay my mortgage for me. So my thinking was, this is when I first started was, hey, I'm paying... 400 bucks a month to my friend. If I buy this house and it's got four bedrooms and you know, I'm living in one of them, my mortgage is 1300 bucks. If I can get three people in there to pay me 500 each, I'll make a little bit of profit. So it's actually less expensive for me to own a home mm-hmm. than to rent. So yep. that's kind of what got me started. I wasn't really looking at numbers at the time. Also was single all the time. And I said, well, then I can buy a really fancy car. I can buy a BMW <laughs> and impress all the girls. That's right. It's all about the car. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how it started. And real estate was just sort of like a side gig for me. I learned how to be a landlord with different people living with me. And that was fine. I've had a ton of roommates throughout the years, being in college and even coming out here. And then the light bulb didn't really click for me until actually I was about to get married. And this was about a year later, September, 2018. And I was trying to convince my now wife that, hey, why don't we just live in the master bedroom of that same house and rent out some of my buddies? And she wasn't having it. Oh, if you had convinced her, I was going to ask you what type of psychological tools you recommend for doing so. (laughs) There are none. So (laughs) pretty much she said, no, you either got to kick them out. I'm thinking in my head, right? I, you know, I always go to numbers. I'm like, oh man, am I prepared to pay like $1,300 a month? Mm-hmm. I have no more renter's income. Uh, and I, uh, the decision was no. So we found more of a fixer-upper about 10 minutes away, four bed, two bath, 230000 And I kind of had it in mind. I was really looking at bedrooms like, okay, I can just fill this with lots of bedrooms and rent out to young professionals and, and college-age students after we move out of it. And that's where everything started to sort of click for me. And I'm like, hmm, there's got to be a better way to analyze all this real estate stuff. How do I analyze all of these deals? And that's where I started going on forms like Bigger Pockets and listening to Brandon Turner's, one of his books, can't remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. 
so what did you find out? So you got that four bedroom, two bath for I think you said two twenty purchase price. That was a fixer upper. Yeah, two thirty purchase price. So two thirty. I found out. I guess my intuition was okay. I started running cash on cash return, doing all the analysis, revenues, running vacancy. I didn't do any of that before, right? So I'm sure like a lot of real estate investors probably didn't do that. They just jumped in, or other people just have analysis paralysis and do that way too much before they jump in. I'm actually glad I just jumped in, but I had to start running numbers with vacancy, repairs, maintenance, capex, landscaping, all the stuff that you know about, and realized that for the first two properties I had purchased, the first one, I had put probably too much money down. I put 20% down because everyone and their dog was telling me, yeah, put as much down so your mortgage is less. Okay. Like that advice. I don't personally like that advice. Follow that advice. The first home I had, we actually added, turned the loft into a fifth bedroom. So the cash on cash on that one was 14 and a half percent, which isn't terrible. And then the second home we had, I knew I should put less down. Um, we put 7% down, probably could have gone even less than that. And and now that one is rented out for $1,900 a month, plus all the utilities are paid for by the tenants. So that one is 16 and a cash on cash return. So yeah, I think after those two properties, kind of the floodgates open, I was looking at Zillow all day, looking at the MLS and just trying to find other deals where I could fill, fill the spots. I do it sort of a different way. I fill them by bedroom. You can make more per bedroom and then people are really open to paying all the utilities that way because it's split. Mm-hmm. As a double whammy, I had personally hadn't thought of when you rent out by the bedroom, they're open to paying the utilities because if it's four bedroom divided by four. But just so I'm clear, the first two houses that you purchased were more of a house hack, correct? The first house was a house hack. The, the first second one, one was, was me and my wife. Okay, the first one was a house hack. The second one was a four bedroom, two bath, fixer upper. Yeah. Got it. How long between the first and second purchase? A year and a half. Okay. A year and a half. So let's just say you hadn't been, I don't know if told's the right way to put it, but you hadn't been told you couldn't do the house hack. Let's just say you and your wife agreed or your fiance at the time agreed. Yeah, let's do that house hack. From a long-term standpoint, would that have been better, worse, or neutral to your financial well-being? Mm, that's a good question. I think it actually ended up being better for us to move out into the new house. Because I had to get creative. I said, well, I can turn that loft into another bedroom for extra income because I have enough people asking me. Once I put a group of people in there, their friends wanted to move in and I didn't have any room. So I said, well, I can turn this loft into an extra bedroom. Which made Um, it five beds? Yeah, five beds. That one was bringing 2,400 gross revenue versus a mortgage of 1,300 plus all the other expenses, right? So netting me maybe five to 600 a month. I think I wouldn't maybe have had the idea to start scaling if we hadn't bought that second property. Why? Probably wouldn't say that I really think super big all the time. I am ambitious, but if I just stayed with the one property, I probably would have just been comfortable. Mm-hmm. But with the second property, I'm thinking, oh man, if we move out again in a year, right, you got to stay in it for a year. Well, now we're going to have three properties. And at the time I was 28, so I'm mm-hmm. feeling fairly young compared to a lot of maybe other real estate investors and saying, wow, you know, I could have three properties by age 28. Mm-hmm. And obviously stuff here is a lot cheaper than say California where you're priced out of the market. But I think that kind of kickstarted everything. So that's where I really started 
thinking, hey, what can I do to get out of my nine to five job, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully my employers don't listen to this, but all my manager knows. She knows I love real estate. He's cool with it. But the goal after we bought that second home as the primary home, I really wanted to see, okay, how can I get to six-figure passive real estate rental income, right? Because you know it's not always passive within the next five years. So that way I can replace my day job, have more time for my wife, our future family, and just have more time at life. So let's talk about now where you're at because I introduced you as own slash co-owns 12 properties. We've talked about two. First one you purchased and then the second one, it took a year and a half based on quick math. You purchased at a more frequent pace than that for future properties. So talk to us about how you scaled and the details there. Yeah. So the second property was September, 2018 when we got married. In November, I saw a, another house that was six bed, three bath, five minutes away and just running the numbers. I'm like, okay, well, this one is going to return 16% cash on cash. I'd say I still probably made a mistake here on how much money we put down. I work with a local credit union and they had programs, right? With, with all the craziness going on right now mm -hmm. with the coronavirus, <laughs> who knows what programs people are going to have left now anyway, anymore, but they had 10% down programs and 15% down programs for investments. Um, I just bought a house, so didn't have the cash for that mm -hmm. and slung a deal with my parents. And I said, Hey, I feel like I've done a good job on this first home. If you guys will loan me the money for the down payment, co-sign with me. I will pay you guys back over time. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll do that. So, Any interest? Um, no, no interest. And I tried to tell them I'll pay them interest, but they're just, <laughs> I don't even think they really expect me to pay them back, but I am. So, <laughs> okay. Have you started? Yeah, I've been paying them back ever since. It's funny, my mom, she'll send me money for my birthday and then I'll just give it back to her <laughs> for down payment money. <laughs> so that deal, what was the purchase price? Purchase price was 320, six bed, three bath, rent out, right now for 2,900 plus the utilities are paid for. What's the typical resident profile? Resident profile is usually just college age kids or young professionals. And I really find here that you have a lot of students who are going to community colleges, Mesa Community College, ASU, dental schools out here. There's just so many schools. And a lot of times you find that they don't really want to pay $800 to $1,200 just to live close to campus, right? You know, they're not really making a ton of money. So I kind of feel this niche where, hey, each bedroom is priced between 450 to 600 bucks. And they totally love that. So that's really where I kind of carve the niche here and find a lot of my tenants on different Facebook groups. That's property three. Now, taking a step back, you have 12 properties. How did you scale so quickly? Man, my wife didn't see me in the last couple of years. <laughs> so we scaled the next two properties. I went in with my brother. He kind of saw how I was doing. I'd say my niche is really getting good tenants into the homes fairly quickly. So mm -hmm. with property number three, actually, I don't even know if this is allowed and hopefully like <laughs> say something I shouldn't say. But as we were closing on the home, I brought in six potential people to come look at it. And they wanted to sign a lease agreement before we had officially closed. I said, okay, I think we can do this. So they signed the lease agreements. And then when we closed, they moved in. Literally, how'd, you find, how'd you find them through those Facebook groups or other? Facebook groups, yeah. Okay. So you're a member of the Facebook groups for those local 
schools and anything else other than like Arizona State, for example? What Facebook group are you a member of for Arizona State? ASU leasing housing. I can't remember the exact. Okay, so something like that where it's if I'm an ASU student and I find this Facebook group, it's clearly dedicated for me finding an apartment or a place to live. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that, and there's just helpful. so many people looking. I mean, they have 30,000-plus students, so there's no shortage of tenants. So utilizing my brother on the next two deals, we went 50-50. I managed. We both put in 50% of the equity because he would really be my first official business partner. There was no zero-interest loan with your brother. No. no. <laughs> By then, I had, I had some funding available for my job. So uh-huh. uh, that was three and four months after purchase number three, so four and five. Mm-hmm. One of those was a smoking deal. I think right now it's cash on cash return is 46%. How'd you find it? I found it just on Zillow. I don't think I've actually ever had any off-market deals. Actually, I take that back. I've had one off-market deal, but everything else I've usually just found on Zillow or now my realtor sends me stuff on the MLS. Okay. I went there, those two with my brother, bought a tiny home and that one probably wasn't the best purchase, but now that's being rented out. And that was a couple months after that. Purchased another property as a primary residence for me and my wife a year after property number two. So September 2019, we moved back by property number one, actually in the same community, and then rented out property number two. And then within the last six months, I actually posted a post on Bigger Pockets just to sort of document my journey with the eight properties. And by then, I was netting 40, 40 to 50K a year on these different properties. So I just said, how made the title, you know, how I was able to scale to 40 plus K a year in in two years. And that really opened the floodgates. A lot of people started messaging me, interested in joining me, doing investments. And so the last few months we've scaled up to 12 and now 18 total units. And how do you structure that with people? I know with your brother is 50, 50, but what about the other structures? Yeah. The way that I've actually structured it and I don't know if this is the best way. I'm still learning. So since I'm kind of hands-on, boots on the ground, I know a lot of people take salaries. What I do is the way I structure it is I'm actually coming into these deals with no money down. My co-investors are putting all the money down, securing the down payment, securing the property. And what we're doing is in exchange for sort of my equity into the home, any cash flow that we receive. So let's say we cash flow a thousand bucks. If it was going to be split 50-50, my 50% portion would actually go towards paying down my equity into the property. So usually for all these properties we're acquiring right now, it takes about three to four years for me to be 50-50 in. And I'm okay to do the sweat equity because when we sell, I'll get 50% of the sale. And then after three to four years, I'll get 50% of the cash flow, 50 to 60% depending on the deal. What's an example of a deal that you've lost money on? The tiny home. <laughs> Tell us I, about it. This lady was selling her tiny home for $35,000 on Facebook Marketplace. And I was like, man, this would be awesome to put in my backyard and rent it out on Airbnb. And there was another guy doing it in Gilbert and he had always booked. So I just bought it, got it transported over here for a couple grand, put it in my backyard. And I was like, it won't cost me that much to set it up. Started getting bids from different people. The plumber who had to plumb the sewer stuff out to the street, that was a hundred foot. And that was going to cost five to 10 grand and then running new electrical and just all this money. And I was like, man, and then you know, there's permit issues, right? You're technically not allowed to do that in our city. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I have this tiny home sitting here now and I'm paying this lady. I was actually paying her no interest five years for the $35,000. I pay her like $550 a month, which was a good deal. But it's just sitting here, just sucking up cash. And I actually moved it to an RV park and had all the hookups there. And now it's being rented out. I think net I'm losing 200 bucks a month. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't rent for more than 550. It does, but the RV park cost is like 400 plus. So yeah, a month for 800. Yeah. 400 plus a month. (laughs) Conceptually, it sounds like a really good idea. He could have a little tiny home village in your backyard, (laughs) four or five of them and put a little garden for everyone. You could make a little community, but yeah, then you think about logistics, plumbing, electrical, and oh, by the way, permits. Never again, man. I think it was a nice idea. And maybe when stuff gets more regulated here and more favorable towards the tiny home movement, then things will be better. I guess the silver lining is that thing will be paid off and I've had it for a year and a half, so three and a half years. So that's fine. I'm kind of ready to be done with that thing. (laughs) Taking a step back, based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I feel like I don't know a lot about real estate. I'm still learning every day. A lot of people ask me, how do I get started? I think it is a big decision to buy another investment property. But if you already own a home, or even if you're just leasing an apartment, why not house hack just to get started? So you get experience being a landlord, you get experience having tenants, screening tenants, and then that'll give you just a really easy way to see if you'd like real estate investing or give you a feel for if you maybe want to purchase that first investment. So I'd say try house hacking if you're unsure and just do it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep. First quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Best ever book you've recently read? The Millionaire Next Door. Just reread that. Love that book. Best ever deal you've done? Phoenix duplex, 46% cash on cash return. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? Pricing things really affordably for all of my renters so that they can save money. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Sixfigurepassiveincome.com. Thank you so much for being on the show, Cameron, and talking about your process for how you've built the portfolio with partners with your family members initially and with partners now and talking about how you aren't going to be buying any tiny homes putting in your backyard anytime soon and how when you purchase your first property you might have been sitting there idle longer if you hadn't been forced to evolve the process based off of relationship stuff and how that ended up being a more profitable way of doing business and how it kick-started some things. So it's interesting because Tony Robbins talks about change is inevitable, progress is something that we have to be intentional about. 
I'm paraphrasing. It's basically something he says. And so it's, it's interesting that you probably would have changed your approach eventually, but this really forced your progress earlier on and it's helped you get to where you're at. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe.